Welcome to Getting Personal with Daphne Bugler and Isabella Hobbs, your go-to podcast for all things emotional. Tune in weekly as we're joined by familiar faces from the worlds of sport, music, film, activism, and everywhere in between to talk about how emotions have shaped people's lives. guest this week is the author of the New York Times and international bestsellers, Holding Up the Universe and All the Bright Places, the latter of which was a smash hit Netflix film starring Elle Fanning and Justice Smith. Her books have been translated into 75 languages and have won literary awards around the world. In 2000, she started writing full-time and has released non-fiction and fiction, both historical and contemporary, adult and young adult books. Her books all share a common theme. They are stories about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Our guest also oversees the literary and lifestyle web magazine, Germ, for people of high school age and beyond, which celebrates beginnings, futures, and everything in between. As an author, our guest tackled provocative subjects that are personal to her in her newest novel, Breathless, set to be released on the 29th of September. This is her most personal novel yet, being inspired by her parents' divorce as a teenager and her own whirlwind romance with her husband, who she met in 2018 on a remote Georgia island while seeking inspiration for this novel. Today, we're getting personal with Jennifer Niven. I spent my entire day yesterday reading Breathless and oh my gosh I, oh my goodness I, it got to midnight and I finished it and I was saying that I was crying and I was messaging oh Isabella God. because it was it's just so good and um honestly oh I just had to tell you that because it was just amazing and I just loved it and had the best day but um that means so yeah. much to me it's just- so good it's, I'm at that point where it's like, I know it's starting to make its way out in the world, even though it's not out, out and it's terrifying and nerve wracking and exciting. And so that means everything. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No. And thank you for letting us um, read it because yeah, it was, it, I'm blown away. Right. I'm so excited and so excited that then the next day I'm here and we're speaking to you. So thank you. Oh my gosh. It's like the book club <laughs> it's like uh, a book club and then speak to the author not everyone can do that it's amazing <laughs> well I'm like I'm a huge fan so I'm very very honored and I'm so excited to be doing this thank so. you so much oh thank that's you. so sweet of you um yeah I wanted to talk so much about this book um because there's just so many different relationships in it. You've got the friendships um, between like Claude and her like girlfriends at home and like new romantic relationships. And then you've got that lovely mother-daughter relationships and that father-daughter and those remote romantic relationships. And then those almost romantic relationships, <laughs> which I think we can all relate to. So things that don't really kind of get off the ground, but they're kind of bubbling yes. in the background. Um, <laughs> And there was just this part of the um, of your novel, Breathless, that I absolutely adore because it just it really touched me between the relationship between Claude and her mother. And if it's all right with you, I would love to read this section aloud for our listeners. Absolutely. Okay. So this is um, just after Claude has had uh, the discussion with her parents about their separation. After he leaves, my mum comes in and puts her arms around me. She tells me we can talk if I want to, 
that it's important to talk and get things out. You have to let the tears come, she always says, because if you don't, they'll come out eventually, maybe not as tears, but as anger or something worse. So this is real, I say, this is real. And all at once, there is this rush of feeling in my hands, in my heart, in every part of my body that just went hollow and dead. And I nearly double over from the pain of it. I feel as if a bomb has dropped from the sky directly into my room, directly onto my head. And that just really... Like we should applaud at that point because it's that's, so good. But <laughs> beautifully read too. That was beautifully oh, read. Three years of studying drama. I'm glad it's my <laughs> It's something Daphne and I have discussed a lot in the past is about how we process emotions and particularly we've we've talked about ones that are related to heartbreak and how if you don't process those emotions they will come back and bite you. Um, So I, I know that Breathless was partly inspired by your own parents' divorce when you were younger as a teenager. So was this quite a cathartic process writing the novel years and years later? Um, and did it open up more emotions inside of you that you hadn't addressed when you were a young adult and now you're kind of going through this whole process again whilst writing it as an older woman? Could you tell us a bit about that? Oh my goodness, absolutely. I mean, such good questions, first of all. And it's it was a very cathartic book to write. And it was, you know, that was a period of my life because it was so personal and it was so much like it happened in the story with Claude and her dad telling her that they were separating and then her um, asking her not to talk about it and all of that. And then having to move away with her mother very quickly after graduation, all of that happened with my parents and me. And I'm an only child and it always felt like we were just like the three of us all the time against the world. And um So it brought up so much emotion because it's not a part of my life that I love to just like reminisce about. You know, I don't just think about that summer with great fondness because it was, there was so much emotion and um, it was really difficult to put myself back there, especially now both my parents are gone um, and, and that's really hard. But at the same time, in a way, even though that part was unpleasant, I got to resurrect my parents. So that was lovely because I got to spend time with them. So it was just this mix of emotion, you know, lovely and not so lovely and hard. And there were times I had to just kind of walk away from the computer and take a little breath and then go back to it when I was able to. In some ways, I want to ask you about the title and you've kind of just led on to that by saying about taking a breath and is like, does it, what kind of inspired that title and what does that mean to you and how does it relate to the story? I think there's so many ways to me that the title relates to the story. One is that at that time during that summer, um, I felt so breathless. I felt like I couldn't catch my breath because so many things were changing and some of them were wonderful and some of them were not wonderful. And so many of them were things that I felt like I had no power over. And so it left me with that kind of breathless feeling, which I think, Also, whether your parents separate or not, and you go through exactly what Claude was going through or not at that time, that summer before you go to 
college or university um, is such a breathless period because you're making this huge transition in your life and leaving, you know, getting ready to leave friends and home and family behind. And so I think there was that kind of breathless. And then of course, the breathless of meeting this boy on this island and not being prepared for that. And being breathless in a really good way, you know, not being, because she was so swept away by this unexpected romance that she had. Um, I wanted to ask you, sorry, if we, um, so what we do on this podcast is we kind of talk through um, the kind of four, five core emotions. So love, uh, sadness, fear, anger, and happiness. And we kind of talk to, I guess, about their experiences with them, what that emotion means to them in their lives. Maybe it's personally or professionally. So I think, um, given the nature of this book, starting off with love is a great, a great place to begin. Um, just because that book brings up so many types of love, there's the love of female friends, there's the love between parents and the romantic. So to you, what kind of does love mean to you and how has that, um, shown itself in your life and in, you know, if you just want to go into what that emotion has looked like for you, really? I think, um, you know, first and foremost, it all began with two parents who I felt, you know, unconditional love from. And I, I realize as I get older and the more people I meet, how rare that is, unfortunately. Um, but both my parents, especially my mother, just always showed me unconditional love. I knew I was loved no matter what. And I knew I could love them in that same way. My mom taught me very early on. I mean, what she says, what Claude's mom says in the book to her about, you know, letting your emotions out and expressing yourself, letting the tears come or they'll come out in some other way. That was all things from my mother. And remember, she taught me very early to express my emotions. So if I was upset with my parents, she wanted me to tell them that I was disappointed in them or I was, you know, that they had hurt my feelings. And, and so we always had that open line of communication. And so I always felt that love and support for who I was. And, um, so that is, I think, where love began for me. Um, and then, you know, there's this amazing love that I have with my husband and family. Um, um, I have a wonderful, supportive, big, sprawling family, and they have been especially wonderful since my mother died very unexpectedly a couple of years ago, which has shattered my world. And that kind of love means so much because I feel surrounded not only by them, but by the love that my mom, the kind of legacy of love that she left me and this love with my husband who I met two years ago on an island, just like Claude met Maya. And we just knew that first day. It's like a recognition. We just knew that was like, I'm his person and he's my person. And it's that unconditional love again. That's just, I love you no matter what. And here's me, all of me. And I'm going to share all of that with you. And I don't have to be afraid about that. And being seen and heard to me, that's just, that recognition is just love. Wow. (laughs) That's just, it's just so lovely to hear. And it's, um, do you think it's taken you getting to where you are today to, because you, um, you and your husband, you eloped very soon after meeting, didn't you? (laughs) We did. How did you get to, um, like you said, just knowing that, like, 
do you think if you'd met him much earlier in your life when when you were younger do you think you would have that same connection and that you would have eloped or do you think it would have been it's a it's a kind of process of as you grow older and you get to know yourself better and you know what you want and what you see in other people or do you think you you would have run away with him (laughs) I probably would have in the sense that I was hugely impulsive like much I mean I still am but I much more so when I was younger however I will say I think I think we would have recognized each other at any point in our lives, but we came together at the perfect point because we'd both done all the work we needed to do on ourselves. And we had lived through, you know, not some not so great experiences that make us appreciate each other even more. And so it felt like perfect timing. It was interesting because we followed each other on Instagram for like a year or so before we met and we never reached out to each other because one, we didn't really know how and two, we just felt like this is going to be something but we're not quite ready yet. So it was just kind of this mystical like instinctual, you know, okay, now it's time to meet each other. And so I went to this island and we met and we just were like, yep, we knew. And I think that part of it too is just like Claude and Maya agreed to do, just sharing yourself and being open and being saying, you know, this is me, the good, the bad, the not so great, the things that I don't love about myself, things that have happened, all of these things have formed me and just being open with that and sharing. And I think that's something we wouldn't have been able to do had we been much younger. Something that I think I really want to ask about that we've, um, been talking about a lot recently is the fact that sometimes I mean we've both been in relationships in our early 20s that have ended and then you kind of look back on it and you think to yourself about how in some ways it's so hard at such a young age to be in a relationship because you're changing so much and because your values are changing and what you want in life is changing so do you think I think you kind of touched on that about the fact that you were finally you knew yourself and you knew everything and like you knew who who you were and what you wanted is that something that you think does come when you know you've experienced a bit more and that you need like do you think that's something that comes later on or do you think it's possible to like grow with someone in that way where you you know you hear of people who get married really young and they happen to grow together is that just luck or what's what would your take on that be <laughs> i think that's that's an interesting question and i've known people who have gotten married very young and then they grow apart as so many people do they they grow in different ways and in different directions um but my grandparents my dad's parents were like in love from day one and they were in love until the day he died and i just remember grandmama being in his bed and like as he was dying and she wouldn't leave his side and they were so in love, but I know that, and I, and I grew up thinking, Oh, that's amazing. It's so like, they're just destined and meant to be. And they were, but I think also it took a lot of work and a lot of things like that, that I didn't see behind the scenes. I'm sure there were sacrifices and work and compromise and communication and all these other, you know, elements of it. And even when you have like that strong connection, like Justin and I do, there's, you know, you still, you have to work to communicate. And even though we do it very easily together, it's still, it's like a garden that you have to tend. And I feel that, I don't know, I feel like, I know we met at the, you know, the right time. I feel like, 
I think if you're younger and you know yourself and you know, and you're open to evolving and you are going to be a person who keeps evolving and doesn't um, shut the doors on emotion and communication and love, I feel like it's possible to grow with someone because I saw my grandparents, you know, they were definitely a result of that. So I know that's possible. Um, I'd also touch on, so we kind of, if we bridge love and fear a bit here, um, the idea of eloping and what kind of, was that, was it like that for you where you just were so, that love was so strong that you just didn't have that fear? You just had like, I guess that courage came from love in a sense. Yes. And I love that courage coming from love. It's such a lovely phrase. And it's so funny because my family is like hugely supportive and they know that, I mean, my family is not very like, they're very like liberal and open-minded and everyone's, you know, very colorful in their own ways and kind of do their own paths in life. But they still were like, what is happening? When, when I said, okay, so we were planning a wedding and then we just couldn't wait. We're like, why do we wait? We feel like we're already married. We love each other so much. It's like, we've waited all this time in our lives and we're finally together. And, you know, all this time that we didn't know each other, we found each other, why wait? And so we wanted to have a ceremony that was just us too. Like, you know, that was because it was just for us. And so all those things, and we just knew, and my family was kind of like, what's happening exactly? You know, and I think it took them some time, like once they got to know him and they saw us together, now they're all like, oh yeah, we get it. We see it. We absolutely, but it's so cute. My uncle Um, moved to this small Georgia town where we spend part of our time. And he's very protective of me being that my mom is gone and he's, my dad is gone. And so he kind of looks at me as a daughter and he just said, I had to come down here and just see what was, see what this was. And I had to report back to the family and just like see it from my own eyes. And now that I see it, I understand it. He said, it's the most, he said, it's like a movie. It's the most beautiful thing I've seen. It's a true partnership. And he said, we all feel really good about it. And, and I think that, yeah, it was just, it wasn't even a question. So in that sense, there wasn't that fear. We were just like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) We just knew. (laughs) So you said that, um, part of Breathless was um, inspired by meeting your husband, Justin, on this tiny little island and that that whirlwind romance. (laughs) Putting that kind of, it's a very personal story to you in so many ways then because of your parents and because of your, well, the character that's kind of based on your husband, (laughs) I imagine. Um, It's a very personal story to, to put onto paper. So what was that like? Was there a lot of fear coming from that? Were you scared of putting something that's so close to you personally out into the wider world and how people would react to it because it is your story. Were you were you just terrified of that or, <laughs> or did you have that courage from love as Daphne said? <laughs> I think the courage from love definitely helps. But I think the I mean honestly the experience writing all the bright places helped tremendously. I don't know that I would have been able to write breathless if I hadn't written all the bright places because all the bright places came from such a personal place. And that book was terrifying to write for me. Um, I remember in when I went to film school for graduate school, I, I got my master's in screenwriting and I was writing like these happy little screenplays and my peers were writing these 
like angst filled, emotion filled scripts that were very personal to them. And I remember one of the criticisms I got was that they didn't think I could put my emotion on the page, which hurt my feelings at the time, but I could totally see how they felt that way. And so that's something I always had in the back of my mind. And so years later, when I was sitting down to write all the right places, I was so terrified that I wouldn't be able to do that. And um, I just wrote it for myself and it came out very quickly. And that experience, not only publishing that book, but talking about the book to readers has helped me be more open and less afraid of telling personal stories because now I see the need to tell them because the response from readers is so profound and so emotional. And I want them to know they matter and that they're seen. And for me, if I write something that is not personal, I'm not I'm not able to do that as much. And so that's very important to me to get that message across to them, whatever I'm writing about. So I thought, all right, you owe it to your wonderful readers who have been so loving and so supportive to give them another personal story and open yourself on the page, no matter how scary it is, because it is always scary to put it out there because you can't help but take criticism personally. But at the same time, I tell myself when a book is out there, it belongs to the reader and it's the reader's experience. So it's no longer mine. I'd love Um, to know when, oh, sorry. (laughs) When you then, um, like when, sorry, I just dropped my papers. When um, you've written a book that is quite personal or that it does come from your own emotions or experiences and then it gets adapted into film. um, What's it like kind of, almost in a way, um, letting go of the characters and seeing them come to life in someone else or someone, you know, you, they're actually there on the screen. Is it like strange? Does it, is it scary to watch it for the first time? Um, I don't know. What was that like for you? It was definitely, it was such an interesting experience because there are all these emotions again. I mean, there's the excitement of getting to hear your words being spoken by these wonderful actors who are bringing your characters to life. I was also lucky enough to get to write this screenplay. Um, And so, and have the involvement to be involved in casting and things like that. Um, So I was very fortunate in that way, but even so it, it feels so strange. And I remember seeing not only being on set, but like watching the film for the first time before it was completely finished and just like holding my breath, talking about being breathless and just being so scared that I wouldn't like it or it was going to feel different to me because films are always very different from the books in the sense that there's just less real estate on film than there is on the page. And some things are going to have to shift and change and be more visual and all those things I knew, but just sitting there to watch it as an audience member, I was like holding my breath. And then the minute I saw Finch's foot hit the ground and he was running in that first scene, I just started crying and I didn't stop until the very end. So it was, it's like I finally breathed at the very end when the credits came up. I was like, okay, I love it. I love it. It's, it's a different experience from the book, but it felt like the book to me. Now, when, when you were writing Breathless, did you, 
were you picturing any actors now, now that you've got this smash Netflix <laughs> film on your writing? Are you thinking, oh, who would I cast as Claude or who's the perfect Maya? Or is it very much what you imagine in your head? Are you imagining your husband? <laughs> Well, it's it's definitely interesting writing something, especially personal, because when I was writing All the Bright Places, Violet is a, like, you know, she's a version of me. And I had to picture someone else when I was writing it, because when you're writing, especially just a very personal character, you can get too into your own head. And I had to have enough kind of distance from her to be able to write her. And so I actually cast Elle Fanning in my mind as I was writing the book. And no one knew that when we actually ended up casting Elle as Violet. And so I got to tell her that in person, which is very exciting. So with this one, I definitely did the same thing because Claude is also a lot like me. And I um, pictured Sophia Lillis, who's, um, she was Nancy Drew, and she was also in um, I'm Not Okay With This on Netflix. And I always pictured her as Claude. And then for Maya, two actors that I pictured, one is Rudy Pankow from Outer Banks. Oh, yeah. yeah. He plays JJ. I can see that. (laughs) And again, because he was, you know, in some ways inspired by my husband, I had to picture someone else when I was writing him. Um, So I I pictured him, but I also, there's a young actor called Luke Eisner and he's in Tall Girl um, and he's wonderful too. So there's like a hybrid of like Rudy Pankow and Luke and and then Sophia, I see as Claude. Um, I love that. Um, So I'd love to move on to the idea of happiness. Um, I'd love to know what does happiness mean to you? What does that look like? Has that changed throughout your life? Yeah. I love this question. Um, I'm, I'm by nature a very cheerful person. Um, it's not, but I've had a lot of loss in my life. I've lost both my parents, grandparents, um, a former boyfriend who inspired Finch, um, many, many friends and cousins and uncles and aunts. And, um, I think the thing that has in so many ways, I look at all of the loss and it's, I think, um, it's amazing that I'm still as positive and optimistic a person as I am. But I think that so much of like that inherent happiness comes from like childhood, my parents, the unconditional love, the being surrounded by love, and just the resilience that both my parents had in times of trauma or sadness. Um, I find happiness, like deep happiness from writing, from being with the people I love, from um, my friends and my family, my husband, our kids, our cats. We have five rescue cats. Um, but at the same time, I find it from like little things too. I mean, like listening to Harry Styles or watching the One Direction movie with our kids for like the 15th time. That makes me so happy when they're like, let's watch it again. And um, just we like going hunting for shark's teeth on this island nearby, which is something that they do in the book, having little adventures or big adventures. There are just so many, as I always tell my readers, even the dark times in our world is certainly in a place right now where there is a lot of darkness. There are so many bright places and I am thankful that I'm always able to find those. 
I love the um, those details of the shark teeth. That's one of your <laughs> happiness. And then that's become one of Claude's happiness in the book. I love that overlap. That's great. Because every time I, I read a book like this, that is so that you can feel like the personal details coming out of it. You can't help but kind of think of the author as the guy <laughs> in the book. And there's, it's not fiction. It's all real in my head. <laughs> same with me. I do the same thing as a reader. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, in, in Breathless, when I was reading it, I found um, that there's a lot of um, kind of contrast and overlap between moments of sadness and anger coming out of that. So through Claude's um, like distraught kind of emotional trauma from this, her parents' separation and having to be um, away from her friends and away from what she was planning on doing that summer. And there's a lot of anger that comes out of it. And in particular, her anger with her best friend, which I completely related to because as we all know, friendships really evolve. They really change. And at that age, they can be the be or end all. And it feels like the end of the world if, if there's an argument or something goes wrong. But, um, thinking about that idea of of anger and um, what does that feel like for you do you find that um your anger comes out of other emotions like sadness or or fear like we've mentioned I think that um for me it tends to come from helplessness or feeling powerless um in some way um I know that when I was so angry at my dad for a long time because I didn't understand the separation from my mother. And so I was just, and, and my dad was, as I got older, not always as, as able to express emotions. So there was a lot that I didn't understand because he wasn't able to communicate with me. And so there was a lot of anger there because I, I didn't understand. And there was that powerlessness and feeling like my life was being dictated by this decision that someone else had made that I couldn't understand the reasons for. So, you know, I get angry. I've gotten angry when I've lost my dad, when I lost my mom, um, people close to me like that, because again, it's that helplessness, I think. Um, so that for me, it tends to be really tied to that, I think more than anything, and certainly a little bit with sadness, but more with that sense of powerlessness. Um, and, and, you know, there's some right now with the world and the way, uh, the way this year has been in so many ways for so many people. And just, again, that feeling of like, okay, what can I do? And I always try to come out of it with what can I do? I can't bring my parents back. I can't change the outcome of certain things like that. But what can I do to deal with that anger and make myself feel like I have some sort of input or I can, I can do something to deal with this emotion. I can do something to make me feel less helpless. And so that's something that I really try to work on and do. I was just about to say, it seems like you put a lot of effort and a lot of work in, in like choosing happiness and choosing to see the positives and trying to kind of draw yourself out of that kind of thinking, which is completely admirable and very, very hard to do. Thank so. you. <laughs> <Well done>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, do you have any kind of 
if from that way of thinking, do you have any advice about how you do that, how you have that, have created that positive mindset for yourself and how, when maybe you're feeling angrier or sad, how do you kind of flip that into something where you might be able to feel a bit more positive about it? I think so much of that comes from my mom. She was um, magic. I mean, she just taught me so much about, you know, definitely expressing emotion and honoring that emotion, being able to live with emotion so that I don't push it away or ignore it or deny it. But at the same time, realizing that the sky is not going to fall and you know, if, if you can, being able to, you know, find your way out of that kind of dark moment or place after living with it, honoring it, hearing it, respecting it, all of those things. Um, but then being able to focus on things that are really bright and lovely. And the fact that my mom and I both always said, like, we hate going to sleep at night. We were both, she was actually more of a morning person, but we would just keep staying up and staying up because as she said, we hate letting go of the day because each day is so precious and each day is amazing because it's the only day like that we're going to have. And that's, you know, that day is that specific day. We won't ever have that day again. And so I think I try to keep that in mind and um, just remember that, that, there are these, like life is so precious, especially having lost all these people that I get to be here still. And, you know, I can live with these feelings and emotions and process them, but then I want to move on from them because there's so much that I want to do. And there's so much loveliness around me and the days are so precious. And I kind of live in that, that space. Um, I'd also love to know um, when it comes to your books and because they do have so much emotion in them and so much meaning in them, what kind of is the big takeaway or the, the message that you want um, young adults to kind of take away from them? And what, if you could kind of relay one thing to them from your books, what would it be that you want them to take away from it? I think I would want them to take away that they are not alone that we are all struggling in some way. And just because um, you are struggling in a certain way doesn't mean that other people can't relate to that or that you can't relate to other people. It doesn't mean that other people aren't struggling as well. I think the thing that surprised me most when All the Bright Places went out into the world was hearing from readers who feel completely alone in their struggles and how they feel and just thinking that no one else feels that way, or they're the only ones who are, are, are going through what they're going through. And no matter who you are, you're struggling in some way. And I think that for me, the most powerful thing that I can hear from readers is thank you for letting me know I'm not alone and that I matter and I'm seen. And those are the things that I, if I can do that with every book, let them know they're not alone, that they matter, that they're seen, that they're important and necessary and loved, then I've done what I want to do. Do you think that for young adults and I guess teenagers and just young people in general, do you think there's enough being, do you think there is kind of enough um, openness and enough encouragement for them to like embrace their feelings and really kind of feel them and be allowed that space to feel sadness or to really, you know, be upset if they're going through something or to feel, you know, they're able to communicate if they're anxious or afraid or something like that. Do you think there is enough of that openness 
today or is it something that needs really to be more accepted or more encouraged in young people to be that emotionally I guess open? I feel like it's definitely gotten better certainly even since I've started writing uh, for young adults but we have so far to go still especially there's you know, certain countries are more progressive than others and certain countries are more willing to discuss things, especially for young adults, issues that they're going through um, than other countries. And it breaks my heart to hear from readers who don't feel like they have a voice and they don't feel like um, it's appropriate or they feel it's frowned upon to talk about certain things, so they have to keep it to themselves. So I feel like, you know, one of the things that I feel proudest of of being a young adult writer at this moment is just getting to encourage them, encourage discussions um, where discussions aren't being had and just, you know, emphasizing the fact that they need to talk about things. They deserve to talk about things. And I feel like so many young adult authors are doing that now and like never before. And I just feel like, it's not just up to up to young adult authors, of course, but I feel like those discussions that we can help start are really important. Also, educators, librarians, the you know people closest to these young adults. Um, it's so important. Adult, I mean, there are parents, loved ones. It's just so important, and I do feel there's progress, but I feel like there's just still a long way to go. I have to say the way that you do write about being a teenager and particularly like your first sexual experience it is so down to earth and real and like we've said there's just there's not that much about it these days like I know um the Netflix series Sex Education I thought that was absolutely brilliant in kind of mm-hmm. making it like it it's messy it's weird <laughs> it can be great it can be rubbish like all of that kind of thing um, and to have a book that does it and it's it's still very beautiful um but like this conversation about does it matter does it not matter it's up to you but kind of giving those choices and giving those options is um it's just so brilliant to have in a in a novel for young adults that we don't often see Thank you so much. And I, I felt like that was important. I remember when I was growing up and Judy Bloom's Forever was like such a popular book. It had been around for a while, but I remember discovering it and just being so excited that here was someone who was actually talking about sex and like, you know, that sexual curiosity and first time and all of that. And honestly, like talking about it so frankly and honestly, and I didn't know any other books that did that. So I thought, you know, it's amazing to me that we still don't have a lot of books that do that, especially for girls. And so I really wanted to to do that as much as I could. That whole relationship with the character of Jeremiah, who Daphne and I completely fell in love with while we were reading, <laughs> which I'm sure is is what everyone is going to experience when they also read Breathless. But um, it was so amazing to to read such a realistic portrayal of sex and sexuality and new relationships and having sex for the first time. Um, I love the part where the characters. Um, 
they're sitting around and they're talking about losing their virginity. And I think um, Claude even discusses how, what am I losing? Like, I hate this phrase, losing my virginity. Like, where has that come from? Um, and very often in books and films and media, there is, it's a very heteronormative point of view. It excludes so many um, other narratives. So it is really refreshing in Breathless that there, there is the character of a gay woman, there's Claude's best friend, and she speaks so openly and refreshingly about her experiences and her experience of having sex for the first time with another woman, which is, which is her experience of losing her virginity, even though it doesn't follow this this narrative that is kind of like thrust upon us, as it were. That wasn't supposed to be <laughs> That was good though. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to Getting Personal. Don't forget you can like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. And give us a review and a rating. It helps other listeners find us in the charts. We'll see you next time.